Welcome to Messy Life Podcast. You know, life is messy, but it's in our mess that we find our message. And just because your life is messy, it doesn't mean you're messed up. We want to open up our lives. We want to open up our mess. We want to open up what we've learned through really painful, dark journeys. And our hope on the other end of this podcast, on the other end of Messy Life, is that you would find courage and strength and laughter and joy in the midst of your journey, that you would know that you are not in this alone and that you are stronger than you ever thought you were. So let's get messy. (laughs) So we're starting out this episode by me saying, Let's just turn on the microphone and see what comes out. <laughs> That's kind of how we do it at Messy Life. It doesn't right? get much messier than that. Like, just turn on turn on the microphone and we'll see what comes out now, of our mouth. Now, I just want to say that this is a hugely important episode, and here's why. It's our eighth episode. Yay! Most Most podcasts never make it past the seventh episode. So this eighth episode is huge because we are breaking the seven podcast episode curse. It's true. And this podcast barely happened. It's currently 1125 PM. It has been a day from hell. Um, True, true. (laughs) Hell hath shown himself. (laughs) We just got home from California late last night. Our kids haven't seen us in four days. Um, pushed every boundary possible. It's been an exhausting day, an exhausting night. But episode eight of Messy Life Podcast will come to pass in Jesus' name. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can do it. We're going to be publishing this episode by the skin of our teeth. So listen, we're going to turn on the microphone and see what comes out. So bear with us. We're getting messy. (laughs) Yes. And tonight, I actually think we're talking about healthy conflict. Within marriage. Within marriage. Inside of marriage. Yeah. So let's go. Yeah. So healthy conflict within marriage. Um, I think that we are speaking on this topic because we've done it all the wrong ways. And somehow oh after... Oh my gosh, you're 15, so right. <laughs> we'll tell some funny stories. But after 15 years, I think we've stumbled upon a few tricks. We certainly haven't figured out how to do it right but we've stumbled upon a few tricks that have helped us navigate through conflict a little better. It definitely, only took us 15 years yeah, to figure yeah. it out. It definitely has accelerated the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll tell some funny stories about how we did it all the wrong ways to figure out a few tricks that helped us on occasion do it the right way. But I want to clarify something really quick before we dive into today's episode, tonight's episode. Um, about conflict. You know, I think sometimes we view conflict as a really negative thing and I can understand why. Um, there's conflict and then there's healthy conflict. And I think it's important to understand that healthy conflict is not fighting. It's not yelling. It's not sure that may be conflict, but that's an argument. That's not a conversation. I used to have this person in my life that would always oh my gosh. say, <laughs> did I hit a trigger? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I used to have this person in my life that would always t- 
talk about conflict as a good thing and say, we just need to have a conversation. But every time they would need to have a conversation with me, it involved me being on the defense or like me feeling like I was being yelled at or being attacked or being accused of something. And I always left there feeling like that didn't feel like healthy conflict. That didn't feel like a conversation because only one point of view is being expressed and that was the other person across the table. Like my viewpoint wasn't welcomed in the conversation. That's not a conversation and that's not healthy conflict. That's an argument where the loudest voice is winning. Mm. And you walk away from that conversation and sure you got your point across, but did you do more damage than good? Mm. Especially when it comes to marriage. Absolutely. Now, now um, she wasn't married to that individual. Uh, <laughs> Thanks so, for clarifying that. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I just actually, I'm actually, you know, asking, is it not me? You're not talking about no, me? No, oh, okay. I'm not talking about just you. Kidding. But I, I say that because I think it gave me a negative connotation of conflict. It gave me a negative outlook on a conversation. They would always be like, you need to have a conversation. And I'm like, it's not a conversation with you. It's an argument where you're screaming at me. In my Webster's dictionary, that's not a conversation. <laughs> that's you yelling at me. You pulled out the Webster's. Right. Like that's no, let's clarify. That's not a conversation. A conversation are two people expressing their point of views and you meeting at the middle. That's a conversation. Somebody screaming at you on the other end that's not a conversation. So I think it's important to clarify that. And that healthy, healthy conflict in a marriage or just in general should look more like a conversation. Thank you. Perfect way to say it. An argument. Absolutely. A conversation where there's space and room for both parties to express their point of view and their perspective with a willingness on the other end to understand where that person is coming from. Now that takes an enormous amount of maturity. It also takes an enormous amount of patience and love and understanding of meeting the other person where they're at because we all come to the table with different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to give the person margin to express their opinion, express their perspective and express their hurt. And this is huge too. create a safe environment for that person to feel safe enough to express what maybe hurt them, right? Absolutely. You know, conflict and its ability to happen successfully, especially in any kind of teamwork endeavor, has to be built on trust. If you do not have trust that has been, uh, some groundwork has been laid, where you are a trustworthy person, that you have extended trust, or even if you can't have all the time, like in a marriage, where you have you can take advantage of building trust and being trustworthy, but creating an environment that's trust-filled. Your conflict will only be successful if both parties trust. Yeah. And so yeah, before you ever go into a conflict, if you can be building the groundwork of trust, of saying, okay, I want your opinion on something and, you know, and they know that you're not just going to totally blow up or get defensive or, right. um, 
that would be a situation where you're going into where trust has been broken, yeah. where trust hasn't been, the groundwork hasn't been laid. So you come into that feeling like, uh, should I choose to talk about this? You know, I, I need to choose my battles wisely with this individual instead of there being some room to be able to kind of say, hey, can I give you some honest feedback? Honest feedback. Yeah. So funny story about how Joel and I treaded into those swampy waters. Um, <laughs> love your description. Swampy of. waters, quicksand, maybe. Yeah, yeah, something. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so I was listening to a podcast, and it was actually Erwin McManus. I it finally came to me. Oh. I couldn't remember the pastor that I was Say listening it again. to. I know. Erwin <laughs> <Irwin> McManus. <laughs> um, so I was listening to this podcast by Erwin McManus, and he said something that just, man, totally hit me to the core. He said he wanted to be a teachable person. Wow. And I thought for somebody like at Erwin McManus's success level to be that self-reflective, to say, I want people to say about me that I'm teachable. Um, I think it might've been the Holy Spirit helping Joel out to convict my heart um, but I'm I was, making the sign of the cross right now. <laughs> Holy water needed. Um, so anyways, <laughs> we um, it totally convicted my heart. Like if Erwin McManus can say that he desires to be teachable, like I need to be teachable. And, you know, I think it's easy to be teachable to our boss. They sign our paycheck. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to be teachable to our church leadership because they see us for one or two hours a week. It's easy to put on a front of being teachable. And then we get in our car and we like give them a piece of our mind on our drive home from church or whatever the circumstance might be. Like it's easy to put on a front to be teachable. But the truth is your spouse knows you better than anybody else. They know the good, the bad, the ugly. They know who you really are. And so the area that the Lord convicted me in was I felt like I needed to be teachable in my marriage. And just teachable all around, you know? And so I had come to Joel one day and I like hopped up on the kitchen counter and I sat crisscross applesauce and I was like, babe, do you think that I'm teachable in our marriage? And like his face just turned Yeah, I I absolutely said nothing. (laughs) I I said maybe something, but it wasn't distinguishable like, "Mm, mm, 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 He like just looked at me like a deer in headlights. Like this is a lose-lose situation. Like other than lying, but if I lie, then I've got Jesus to handle me. If I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> it wasn't that bad, but especially you opened it up. So it, it wasn't, I wasn't as. Um... He's trying to be nice right now. Was it as afraid? I don't know. His silence said it all. <laughs> um, no, Casey, I don't think you're teachable in marriage. Like yeah, my silence was screaming at you. Right, and then the Holy Spirit said to me, Casey, now is your opportunity to be teachable. <laughs> I wanted to get defensive and be like, I am so teachable. How dare you say I'm not teachable? But I decided to be teachable. To my lack of teachability. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you were introspective enough, though, and brave enough to communicate that in our marriage. Because the truth is, I wasn't teachable. I was defensive. And um, 
I don't think I was defensive about everything, but I think in a lot of situations, I didn't give you the environment in our marriage to complain, not complain, because I think that sounds bad, but to give me feedback about what would make our marriage, what I could contribute to the marriage to make it better. I would get defensive. And I think that I created an environment that didn't allow for honest feedback for what I could do to be better because I was defensive and not teachable. Wow. That's huge. I think um, right there, if 50%, maybe 100% of marriages could be saved if both spouses could come to that conclusion to say, we're going to make space to talk about situations and to listen that could save built up resentment. Yeah. Um, that could just allow two couples who are receptive to be able to say, okay, maybe I don't agree, but let's talk it out. That in itself could save up huge resentment, you know, because divorce doesn't happen in a day. It's, it's built up over time and time. Yeah. And finally, the trust is eroded, whether that's fidelity reasons or whether that's just you're just exasperated yeah. about an issue that's never been communicated. Yeah. But when you are teachable and you at least will say, I'm, I'm humble enough to listen. I'm humble enough to listen to your perspective and how you view the situation. That's it. That's a great way I'm, to say I'm it. putting my guards down and I'm being open to the way that you filter through the situation, your perspective. I think oftentimes we come from two ends of the spectrum. We handle conflict by either yelling or being expressive about your conflict. Um, I was like that early on in our marriage, like... I don't keep anything inside. I process everything out loud. I mean, I talk to myself in the car. I talk to myself in the shower. Like nothing stays on the inside of me. I'm a verbal processor. I've got to get it out of me. And when I'm passionate about something, I will express it very passionately. And Joel would always say like, stop yelling. And I'm like, I'm not yelling. I'm just passionate about the way I feel. You know, but it interpreted for Joel. Well, like, for me, I was like, uh, I don't define what, what's, what's being communicated <laughs> to me as passionate. Maybe like, pissed off, but out, certainly not passionate. Out. But And for me, on my side of the family, we didn't really express a ton. Like, I grew up in a family that, you know, you just kind of kept it in. You swept it under the rug. Uh, you weren't communicating everything. I mean, sometimes it would come out. When you were really, really, really mad and things had built up after sure. a long time. But at that point, it's beyond um, conflict. At yeah. that point, it is... Resentment, bitterness. Emotional it's boil deep. over. Yeah. yeah. And so we had to kind of come to this place where I wasn't keeping things internalized. And I was learning not to react, but to respond. And just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. Wow, that's amazing. We have come so far. <laughs> We've come far. so far. It only took us 15 years. But oftentimes, I think people come from that communication background. You express everything. You yell. You're aggressive in your communication. And then the other end, you don't express anything. You bottle it up. You sweep it under the rug. I'll get over it. Yep. And so what you want to do in healthy conflict and healthy communication is you want to create this middle ground, this safe space this holy ground, so to speak, 
where each perspective is respected. So even though I may not agree with Joel's perspective, even though I may have another point of view or another perspective, I'm creating a safe space for Joel to share that perspective. I'm not reacting. I'm not yelling. I'm not getting defensive. I'm teachable and I'm humble to Joel's point of view. He's teachable and humble to my point of view. And somewhere we meet in the middle in a common ground where we each see one another's perspectives. Absolutely. So, so let me, easier said than done, by the way. So let me ask you this. What do you do when one spouse is willing to be teachable and willing to be, um, create that space, but the other spouse won't? It's a great question. Joel is basically saying I was teachable and I was humble, but you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, it was kind of like a backdoor way of uh, helping people who are listening to this podcast. Well, we're messy here. So let's say what you really were trying to say. It's okay. I'm going to be teachable and humble and receive correction. Um, Okay, let me say, oh man, I was going to say something really good and I totally lost my train of thought. Um, okay, oh, this is what I was going to say. Okay, number one, this takes work and this takes practice and you're not going to get it right every time. Like we would be in conflict and I literally would say over and over and over again in my mind, be teachable, Casey, be humble, be teachable, be humble, be teachable, be humble. Don't be defensive. Like over and over again in my mind and I didn't always get it right the first time, the second time, the fifth time. But we're like three or three years in maybe to that conversation and I'm so much better than I used to be. Yeah. I think I am anyway. Well, no, 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 no. I, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. He's like reluctantly agreeing. No, no. I no. am. I'm a lot better. No, I, I would say your defensiveness level is way better. And I also think... <laughs> I think awareness. Thank you. <laughs> you are so welcome. I am so in trouble. No, just joking. no. You're not. Um, but your you ability couch, but to be aware. Just joking. I'll put myself on the couch. Just <laughs> joking. Actually, I I, I can't because we got smaller sofas and okay. now I really can't fit. That's why you're so persistent about working through conflict. You don't like the couch as much. <laughs> that was all part of your plan by purchasing <laughs> those new smaller couches. Okay. Anyways, um, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just thinking you were about saying being that I've, to the couch. You oh, were yeah, saying that I've defensive. gotten better. But you know, part of the key of that is when you have an awareness yeah. of it. Yeah. When you come to the place to say wow, well, maybe this is an issue that I need to work through. And just being able to see it also allows yourself to say, okay, I'm feeling that feeling of moving in towards defensiveness. And you can choose to even say in the conversation, okay, I'm trying not to get defensive here. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. And take a minute if you need a minute. Like walk away, grab a cup of tea, grab a glass of wine. Maybe not two, but like, you know what I mean? Give yourself a minute. Hey, I'm not mad. I'm just going to walk around the block or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I was going to say, I think the second thing is this. You sow seeds Mm. and those seeds will not return void. And so maybe you want patience in your marriage. Maybe you want your spouse to be patient. Maybe you want your spouse to be less defensive sow those seeds into your marriage and those seeds will not return void. Like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like 
Joel was always patient and I felt like nine times out of 10, he was very humble and very teachable about things that I would say to him, complaints that I would have or feedback that I would have that would make our marriage better. Like he was always very gracious with me and very humble and I was always defensive. So he would create a space for me to be able to give feedback. I rarely created space for him to give feedback, but he sowed those seeds. And man, when it clicked for me, I felt like it, I felt like we went so much further faster but you were further along than I was. I say it all the time. Joel is like a way better Christian than me. But, it, you know, you sowed those seeds and you were a light to me in that way. And eventually the Holy Spirit had his way in me and fixed me for the sake of your sanity. No. I, I, <laughs> well, here's, here's the truth of it. God puts two people together who have different strengths, different abilities. Um, and so... At times, whether you're the husband or you're the wife, you lead the other person. Yeah. And leadership doesn't always mean like, I'm the authority, I have this position, you need to do it my way. Right. Um, Leadership is just doing the right thing, doing the thing that is going to cause your marriage to be better. I remember way back in the beginning, it was our first year of marriage, and I would totally do the turtle shell. Like I'd get offended. I'd go internal. Yeah. I wouldn't communicate. I'm an internal processor. And I remember one time you saying to me, you said, listen, we are going to talk about this and we are going to fight for our marriage. I did. Yes, you did. I'll <laughs> never forget it. I, I, I don't know if, I mean, it made such an impression on me that day that I was like, yeah, like I need to get better yeah. at communicating and we need to pursue this and to work through this. And it it was difficult. It would take us sometimes an hour Uh, and a half to get through one. I know we're so much faster these days. Yeah. Yeah. Faster at fighting. (laughs) Yeah. We fight fast now. We do. We fight much faster now. Um, But I think that that was a leadership moment for me in the very beginning of our marriage where you were doing the right thing of saying, listen, like, we're not going to just give up on this. We're not just going to yeah. sweep this under the rug. We're going to talk about but it. But we're going to fight for our marriage. We're going to fight for this thing. And it was a huge leadership lesson for me. And, and, and I had to learn to communicate. Like my con- conflict skills weren't good because um, I would just go inside. And really what I was doing was punishing you with my silence yeah. instead of saying, hey, I'm going to do my best to talk this out. And when you have a spouse, uh, just from my perspective, when you have a spouse who doesn't get defensive, even if you don't say it right. And most yeah. of the fellows out yeah. there, um, our communication as guys is way different than communication as uh, women and ladies. I mean, they're, they're so much more sophisticated and nuanced than guys. You know, guys are like, well... You know, I'm, I'm hungry right now. And ladies are, you know, they, they've got, they've got a sophistication that guys are pretty straightforward generally. And so, um, leading your spouse, um, you're going to lead each other. And if you're willing to, to go and to learn from each other, you're going to see great, great things happen. Totally. So one other point. My gosh, I think our dogs just farted. It stinks so bad. Let's press through. 
Sorry, we can edit that part yeah, out. That was Izzy. They, that- <laughs> they lay at our feet during our podcast. It's so sweet. But occasionally, that was not like, sweet. they... No. S- no, they're they're they, sweet and sour. And tonight, <laughs> they're leaning towards the uh, sour they side. fart, and it stinks so bad. So one of them just farted, and it stinks so bad. But I am rubbing my feet on our puppies right now. Okay, back to the podcast. Oh Sorry, we can edit that part out. But one of the things with healthy communication, apologizing is one of the most important things that you can do in your wow. marriage. Like a sincere ap- apology. Because anytime you merge two lives together two different perspectives, two different opinions, two different ways of doing life, two different communication styles, you're going to hurt hurt one another on a consistent basis. And so learning to own your faults and apologizing the right way to your spouse. And honestly, Joel, it's not even your spouse. Like it's in everyday relationships that you have Apologies are huge. Yeah, like, if you're gonna be in a relationship with someone, you will have to apologize to that person. Absolutely at that point. will. And it's no matter what, like each person comes from a different perspective. And whether intentional or not, you have to own an apology. Like I had a person in my life that I think over the course of our entire relationship, I think I can maybe remember them apologizing one time. And it was like a back-ended apology. Like they said they're sorry, but then coupled with their sorry came why they did it, an excuse for why they did it, justifying their bad behavior. Like don't have people like that in your life. Just a disclaimer. Like if you've got people in your life who never apologize, they are the not, not the right people in your life because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. And learning to apologize is crucial in a marriage and it's crucial in any relationship because along the way we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And though those mistakes may not be intentional, it was still a mistake and we need to apologize for that. So that's a huge part of marriage is apologizing. Yeah. Owning what you did wrong. And I think the people that you were just describing who wouldn't, who don't apologize or never apologize or never, um, for, you know, take responsibility or, or can never go there. There are some people that maybe be family members or, you know, um, co-workers or whatever. You will have to create boundaries for those people. Don't, those people don't have a right in the interior of your life to be trusted, to be somebody that you can just, um, be unguarded with. It's not a safe relationship. So there will have to be clear boundaries That you set for those individuals. Absolutely. If there's a person in your life who can't apologize for their wrongdoing, you need to have major boundaries with that person because anybody who can't own their part in a mistake made is a very dangerous person for you to have in your life. But let's dive into apologies a little bit. Um, So Joel and I stumbled upon this apology love language one time and it revolutionized our marriage. It revolutionized our healthy communication because what we didn't realize is that each person has an apology love language, so or to just speak. An apology, language. an apology language. It's the way that they receive an apology. And so it's really key to learn and lean in on discovering how they best receive an apology. And so it's actually like, we've all heard of the five love languages, right? 
it's the same Gary Chapman. It's the same five love languages, only it's an apology language. It's an online quiz that you can take. So we're going to quickly go through these apology languages, talk about them a little bit. You can go onto fivelovelanguages.com, search for the apology quiz, take it, and then it gives you a brief description of each of these that we're going to talk about. But we'll have a funny story um, for how we discovered our apology languages and navigated through that. But it's huge if you can learn to apologize the way your spouse receives it, you will like shave hours off of your fight time. True. So maybe <laughs> I'll go through the the first of the five and it, because it happens to be mine. Yeah, go for it. Well, my uh, apology language is accepting responsibility. Um Admitting that you're you're wrong does uh, wonders. Like if you really do something wrong and you just say, "Hey, yeah, I blew it. You know, I own it. I'm good. Like all all I need is somebody to to say, "Hey, I I I I did wrong. I I see it. I messed up. Sorry, and I'm good to go." Now. It doesn't resonate with me. I've had some people say, well, you know what? I am, you know, I am so <laughs> sorry that you feel that way. Oh my gosh. Or that I made you feel that that's way. That's the worst thing you can ever say to Joel. It's like microwaving metal. Yeah. To use <laughs> your famous term. Like the yeah. worst thing you could ever say to Joel is, I'm so sorry I made you feel that way. He turns into the Hulk. Like if you say that to him. <laughs> no, I'm just inside. I'm like. You don't. I'm like, you don't really. But that, was you, the, that was not even apology. It and, makes you so mad. And sometimes mad. I'll even say, okay, so are you saying you did something wrong or are you just saying that you're sorry that that I'm feeling bad? You know what I'm saying? That, that to me uh, See, I does hit a not trigger. Make, oh my gosh. I um, told you it makes him so mad when you say well, that. Well, I, I just feel like why even say it? Yeah. If you're not going to take responsibility for it, why even say it? I, to me, it just um, save your breath. So the important thing about accepting responsibility is that if it doesn't admit the wrong, the apology goes unheard. Like that's super important to remember that like if you're not taking it responsibility and admitting that you're wrong, that apology goes unheard by those who receive it by accepting responsibility. So if you're married to someone like me who <laughs> receives, you know, uh, I just want you to take responsibility and I can move on very quickly. Um, you, you just have to know like, Hey, I was wrong for doing that and I'm sorry. I won't let it happen again. Like that is huge. Yep. And that's all you have He's to do. He's good. Okay. So mine is really funny. It's expressing regret. So expressing regret is when you zero in on an emotional hurt it's an admission of guilt and shame for causing pain. I want you to be remorseful for hurting me. So it's almost like an acknowledgement of the way that you made me feel. Hey, I realized that when I did that, um, I really left you high and dry and that was not right of me to do that. And I'm very sorry that I did that to you. It's acknowledging the hurt that you caused me. Like I realized when I did that, I made you feel this way and I'm really sorry for that. Yeah. So, um, here, here's where this kind of, um, kind of, kind of was breaking down for us for many years. Um, 
I would be, we'd be, you know, in a discussion, in a, a conflict. Fight. We were in a fight or yeah. a conflict, yeah. And Casey would bring up a few things. Let's just use that example. Casey would bring up something. Why is it always got to be me bringing it up? Well, this is messy. <laughs> and you're less defensive. So I can bring it up. No, um, I'm more expressive. Yeah. Well, so I'm always the one bringing it up. So so you, you were saying, you know, hey, you this hurt my mad. feelings, you know, or this this hurt my, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're talking and, and I was like. I was listening and I was like, oh yeah, like I could totally see that. You would accept responsibility. And I said, yeah, I, I am, I, w- I was wrong there. And I'm I, sorry. I am so sorry. And I thought that should be the end of the discussion, but she just kept going on. I, I mean, like, even more passionately. I would repeat what I just said. And I'd be like, yeah, I, I, I would heard even that. say to you, I would even say to you, this was like years ago. I would even say to you, I just don't feel like you fully understand. And if you don't fully understand, you're going to do this again. I would say that to you. Do you remember? <laughs> and, I, and I'd say, okay, okay. I see that. Like, and I, I sincerely, I, I, I'm wrong. I, 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 I won't do that again. I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry. He would take responsibility right away. And then she would keep going. And I'm like, you are just, you are just trying to just drive your point in. I'm sorry. And I would get frustrated. And literally at one point I'd I'd be like, okay, babe, I have said I was wrong four times. I have said, I am sorry four times. What else do you want me to do? And I would always say to Joel, I just don't feel like you get it. I don't feel like you get where I'm coming from. But really I didn't feel like he felt regret for the hurt he caused. And so it wasn't until Joel would connect to the emotion side of, I can see how that made you feel. And I wouldn't like that done to me if the roles were reversed. It was when he could connect to the way he made it feel that I would be like, thank you so much. I totally forgive you. We're good. We can move on. And it even helped when I like engaged my emotions a little bit. Like (laughs) like if I'd be like, oh crap, I totally see how that. Yeah. That worked way better. I (laughs) totally. Man, I I feel stupid, and I am so sorry. I can't believe I would ever make you feel that way. Yeah, I I, I'm I'm, babe. I just don't even know what to say. I just feel horrible. Yeah, something like that communicates to her, you know, that I'm regretful. That you hurt me. Yeah. And instead of just being like, I'm wrong. Okay, I totally see. I'm wrong. Yeah. I won't do it again. That wasn't meeting her apology love or her apology language. Instead, I was communicating to her what I needed out of an apology. I was accepting responsibility, but she wanted, for her, she wanted to hear that I was remorseful and I regretted doing what I did. And so it's so funny because for years, our fights and disagreements would go on and on and on and on. And really probably like 30 minutes of that would be us trying to apologize to each other. But I would express regret and Joel would take responsibility. And it wasn't until we discovered the different ways that we really appreciate receiving an apology that we really felt like the apology was sincere and we could move forward. So number three. Number three is um, make restitution. There are some folks who want, um, you know, for it to be restored. And let me just give you an example of that. Um, if, if a mistake is done, they, they want to feel like you are making an effort to restore what was lost. Um, let's say um, I'm late for dinner and... Um, 
I knew that it was a special night. I knew I, that. I like, called ahead of time. I prepared this amazing meal for you, and you show up 45 minutes late. Yes. and Big a, trouble. Dun, a, dun, dun. a proper apology <laughs> to someone who was a make restitution. Which um, would not be me. Apology language would to say <laughs> something like this. I'm sorry that I was late to dinner. What can I do to make it up to you? That is huge for a person who receives apology through the restitution. Day at the spa, you take the kids the full day, send me away, I depart at 8 a.m., I come home at 9 p.m. after the kids are nestled into bed and I spend a lovely day at the spa. Honestly, <laughs> after that, he I will would never, never be, be late, late again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number four, request forgiveness. So request forgiveness is a physical, it's physically or verbally requesting forgiveness. The value and um, the value and you you value and you recognize the need for forgiveness. So this is actually our son Lincoln's apology language. So Lincoln will always say whenever he apologizes, he will say, "I'm sorry. Will you forgive me?" He always requests forgiveness. And so every time Lincoln would apologize to me, I would say, "It's okay, buddy." But I never would say, like, I forgive you. And so one day we're in conversation and Lincoln says to me, Mom, you never forgive me when I apologize to you. And I was thinking in my mind, well, because you're never remorseful for your actions. Um, But I did not say that to him because that would be like an awful thing to say to your child. And so I didn't say that. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, (laughs) tell me more about that. And he said, well, I will always ask you to forgive me and you never say I forgive you. And it dawned on me when I took this quiz that Lincoln's apology language is requesting forgiveness. And so I learned with Lincoln that whenever he says, will you forgive me? It's very important that I say back to him, yes, Lincoln, I forgive you. And it's also important to Lincoln that when I apologize to Lincoln, I say to him, Lincoln, mommy is very sorry will you forgive me? And verbally ask him and request forgiveness. So it's just funny, like for Lincoln, when I say, yes, I forgive you, or I verbally say to Lincoln, will you forgive me? How much? He's good. He moves on, but that's Lincoln's. So request forgiveness. It's super important to say, will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. And the last of the five major ways that people receive apologies is genuine repentance. So if you make a mistake, let me give you a good example of something that you could say to a spouse or a person who receives um, apologies through genuine, genuine repentance is this, is this will never happen again. I know I did this, but it'll never happen again. And of course, your actions have to follow what you're saying, communicating this mistake to a person who receives apologies through genuine repentance. This will never happen again. It's feeling poorly for hurting your loved one, but repentance is the convincing factor in that apology. The this will never happen again is the vital comment that you need to make if that's your spouse's apology love language or your apology language. So you can take this quiz at fivelovelanguages.com. I really, we really encourage you to take it, have your spouse take it, read them aloud, talk, 
Yeah, have, it. have your kids take it if you have kids. If they're older and like competent enough to take it, you yeah. know. You may just have to kind of you can use your intu- yeah. intuition and, and help them and help just kind of guess it out. Yeah. So healthy conflict, healthy conversations in marriage. One of the most important things that you can do in marriage is create a space for healthy conversations. Um, and that to means... To receive the other person's perspective. Yeah. To, to It's almost like you put it out on the table, right? Like you've got a blank canvas and you're doing the two base colors, your perspective, his perspective. And you create margin and you create space for each perspective to be shared in a non-defensive environment. And you are open to hear and receive that person's perspective. And you can meet in the middle and say, I understand where you're coming from. You're humble. You're not defensive. You're teachable. And know that an apology is vital to the life of your marriage and really vital to the life of any relationship that you're going to navigate. Like, we're going to have to apologize. We've got to own our part and what went wrong in the relationship because none of us are perfect. That's right. You know what I mean? Like I look back on some of the toughest situations and even if I feel like somebody is 95%, you know, to blame, I need to own my 5%. Or if I'm 95% to blame, I need to own my 95%. Also be mindful of people in your life that maybe are not ready for healthy conversations. Maybe they have a very different perspective of Mm, conflict. Maybe they have a very different perspective of a conversation. A conversation is not an argument. A conversation is two perspectives being heard out. That's a conversation. A conversation is when I position myself to allow the other person to express their opinions and their viewpoints and their feedback. When that's not open and welcome, that's not a conversation. A conversation is not yelling. That's an argument. You know what I mean? That That's not a conversation. That's not conflict. It's not healthy conflict. No. And when somebody can't have healthy conflict and healthy conversations, you have to have boundaries with those people because you'll always be on the hurt end of the spectrum. You'll always be on the abused end of the spectrum. So it's super important in relationships that you be mindful. A conversation is very different than an argument. If you're struggling in a relationship with healthy conflict to back it up a step to trust and do whatever you can with your spouse to continue to build that trust again and again and again in their life. And when you need to have those conversations, you'll have so much change in the bank that, that you will actually be preparing your marriage to be able to handle those conflicts because healthy conflict, if something happens, that's a mistake. Healthy conflict can actually turn that into more trust instead of yeah, broken trust. I love that point. Great point. So work on trust right now, build it with your spouse, be faithful, own up to your mistakes. And you may have to lead for a little while in your marriage yeah. to show the other partner that how to actually make that happen. And I promise you, you will be so thankful that you sow those seeds because those seeds will come back and you will reap a harvest of healthy 
conflict. Absolutely. Be humble, be, be teachable. teachable, and create a space for your spouse or the person that you're in a relationship with. And apologize profusely. To create or to <laughs> share their perspective and apologize. Take your apology love languages. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that this episode was helpful, funny, good. We hope you got something out of it. Also, I am so excited about my new book that's coming out. And there's actually pre-orders available uh, if you'd like to. Now, this is the potential title for the book, Becoming Wilderness, Living from Your Wild Heart, Not Your Weary Hurt. So that's the book. If you'd like to get it, we want to give you um, kind of a really cool deal. If you pre-order the book, you're going to get two additional books. You're going to get a second copy of Becoming Wilderness and also a copy of The Divine Matchmaker as well. So if you pre-order right now, you can go over to joeljohnson.org resources. You can pre-order it, get some new books uh, when it comes out. As always, we love and we're so thankful for all your support. Subscribe, like, comment, and share with your friends. We cannot thank you guys enough for the amazing support of Messy Love Podcast. Um, We love opening up our lives to you. And our greatest hope and greatest desire is that you can learn from the mistakes that we've made. You can learn from our mess so that you don't have to walk through this same mess. We hope that opening up our lives and our journeys to you make you better and you stronger and you more successful in everything you do. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great night. And just remember, if your life is messy, it doesn't mean you're messed up. You got this. We'll see you next episode. We've created this podcast because we love helping people along their journeys. Beyond the podcast, you'll find us coaching folks through their messy moments. We do this online or on site for individuals, couples, and organizational leaders. So if you'd like to talk to one or both of us, you can head over to joeljohnson.org or you can get in touch with us through social media. Also, if you like the show, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And you can share it with your friends. If you'd like a copy of the show notes for today's episode, you can head over to joeljohnson.org slash podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Messy Life Podcast.